0: الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله التيبين الصاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف we finished very briefly discussion about hope fear and rajah or hope there are some other states which have been mentioned after the state of hope which we are not going to discuss because our time is very limited so we try to address the most important ones but to do justice at least i mentioned the names one is the state of khoshua khoshua means humbleness modesty and it is very close to khhuzu. But khhuzu is what mostly appears on your body, on your physics. khhuzu. For example, someone is sitting very politely in front of, for example, his teacher or his father or a great person. He is just sitting very politely. But inside his heart, he may be cursing that person. Na'udhu It's possible. But sometimes, even inside the heart, you find humbleness. It's not just body. It's very easy to make your body, you know, appear as a humble person. Sometimes, you know, in Salat, you know, we stand before Allah. Even we do sajda. Sajda is one of the most humble positions that we can have but uh, still in my heart i may be negligent of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is khujoo not khushu whoever says prayer has khhuzu. but those whose who hearts are humble these are khashae and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says ista'inu bis-sabr salah <laughs> wa innaha lakabiratun illa 'alal Not khaza'in. Khasha'in. Means asking assistance. Because this ha and naha, there are different possibilities. One is that this ha refers to salat. Because salat is a female noun. So ha refers to salat. Means salat is difficult except for those who are humble in their hearts. Or this Ha refers to Esta'ana which is understandable from Esta'inu and Esta'ana means asking for assistance. Then in this case, it will refer to both fasting and praying. Because Sabr here is interpreted as fasting. Of course, this can be an obvious case, but maybe if Sabr is more general. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the people who are arrogant, the people who don't have humbleness in their heart, it's not easy for them to ask assistance from salat. Indeed, they may feel that salat is a burden. Not only it's not an assistance, they may think that it is a burden. They may say, Why we should always say prayer? I am very busy. I have lots of things to do. Lots of commitments. Lots of meetings. And this Salat is not leaving me alone. So they may think that this is a burden. But those who are humble, they realize that this is a great source of power. Like someone who may not appreciate his parents. His parents. If the parents live with him, he may think that, you know, if they have old parents, he may think these are burden on him. But these are not burden. These are source of power, respect, dignity, and mercy of Allah will be there. If your parents are with you and you look after them. So it depends on humbleness of people. How humble they are. I am not going... Unfortunately, because time to develop this idea of humbleness. Maybe in future, inshallah. The other state is ikhbat. In Quran, certainly you have come across verses in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about mukhbetin. Fabashar al What does ikhbat mean? Ikhbat means a sort of confidence peace which is normally accompanied with submission so because you submit yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you have peace you know if I think I am on my own and for everything I am responsible for everything I must make decision so it will be very difficult How should I treat people? How should I run my life? How should I run my study or business or whatsoever? But if I know I am a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so I know that I have one boss and I just listen to him. So it brings you peace, you will be relaxed. You will never be blamed by anyone if you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a mentioned a beautiful parable in quran zaraballahu mathalan rajulan Salaman, la rajul wa rajulan fihi shuraka'u mutashakisun hal yasqawni mathalan consider two persons one has only one boss he is just to listen to that boss One has different bosses, different masters. Which one is in a more convenient situation? The one who has just one boss, one master. Because those who have different masters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala These are partners and each one wants to take him towards himself. This one says, you must just obey to me. That one says, you must just obey to me. But if you please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then everything will be sorted out Man aslaha Fima baynahu bayna Allah Aslaha Allah ma baynahu an-nas If We Make our relation With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In the way that he is pleased with Then he makes our relation With the people In the way that we are pleased If I am a servant of Allah Allah will make people love me Will make people uh, respect me, help me. Yeah? I don't need to serve them to get their. In this, if you want to get the respect, even if you serve them, you cannot get their respect. But if you serve Allah, Allah makes them love you. And this is Quran. Which ayah says this? إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي If you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, follow me, the Prophet says, because I am a servant of Allah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves you, all world and universe will be subservient to you. Because He is the boss. You know, if you, for example, have something to do in one of the big offices, maybe governmental offices or any, you know, local authorities, whatsoever. If you know that the manager of that office is your friend, you will be relaxed. Say okay, because he is my friend, so I will have no problem. Whoever treats me badly, whoever doesn't respect me, I will go to him and complain. If you know that the manager is your cousin, it is more relaxed. If the manager is your father, so more men in this dunya is like who goes to an office. And knows that his father is the manager of that office. He has no worry. He knows that in the end he will be treated well. He will not be treated badly. Just you must know how to approach your father. This must be done very wisely. So, Ikhbat is a sort of Peace and confidence in the heart, which is accompanied by submission. And I explained how submission to Allah causes peace of mind. Okay? But our topic is different tonight. So these are two estates that I have just bypassed. Our topic is Zohd. This is something that we need to discuss more. zehd is very important in every form of spirituality i never have come across any form of spirituality in any religion which says that you must for example be living you know in a luxurious way you must indulge yourself you know in your life you must waste you know for example your money on just spending on yourself. I have never come across such a spirituality. If you know, maybe you can tell me. In any religion, this has been treated very important. Indeed, in some religions, they have taken this into extremes, like you know, monasticism, which sometimes, not always, because sometimes uh, monasticism is done in the way that is not that sort of monasticism that we expect. They have combined it in social responsibilities. But originally, monasticism or rahbanija was an idea which started in Christianity. In early Christianity, especially because they were under pressure by Romans, so they couldn't practice well. So the best chance was to go to deserts. And then worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in deserts. So some of the early you know, fathers of the church or early you know, monks, they were just living in deserts on their own. One person in this desert, one person in another place. And they had to arrange everything for their life. Their life was very simple. Very simple food, simple dress. Just worshipping and praying. Then later, Saint Benedict, Saint Benedict, he started the idea of having community of monks. So instead of living separately, we should live as a community. So monasteries were formed, and they said, you know, we must have a community. Then many many orders took place. And sometimes, you know, no one knows exactly how many orders are there. If you go, for example, you know, to Rome in Italy, you would see many, many different orders with different colors, different forms of dress. Uh, Each comes from different tradition, different, you know, culture. So they thought that to be able to devote ourselves to God... We must be isolated from society, and you know they have the idea of getting married to God. These people who belong to religious orders, they say we get married to God, and they have a ring. They are not married, but they have a ring. This is this shows that they are married to God, so no one can give them proposal. So, this is the idea of monasticism. And in Islam also, some people copied. This started especially in uh, Sham, in Syria, who were nearer to the Eastern, you know, Christianity. They made this idea and started to have khaniqah, sort of, you know, houses, like monastery. For Muslims. So they copied this idea. And then gradually the term Sufi was coined. But in the beginning they had another term. Before the term Sufi was coined. They had the term Zahid. So Zahid meant someone who has devoted his life to worshipping Allah and serving Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Zahid. And in Islamic world, there were eight people who were known as zuhad the These were very famous because they were at the peak of, you know, ascetism. Of being, you know, very focused in their spiritual life. But this is not the concept that we necessarily agree or we agree fully. Why? Because as... The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi said, La fil Islam. There is no monasticism in Islam. You cannot say, Okay, I go and I live on top of a mount, and I worship Allah. And I forget my family, my children. There are people who look after them. I will forget my social responsibilities. No. This is not acceptable in Islam. And Quran when talks about the Christians says that maybe out of their sincerity they started this. God's so, Quran said They started this monasticism, we didn't make it compulsory, we didn't Asked them to do so. They did so. They wanted to seek pleasure of God. So it, it was a sort of invention. Their own invention. Okay? But the problem was that They couldn't be loyal to that. So some of these people, they tried to be very you know, spiritual, but they couldn't. And this is the problem that you sometimes see that, for example, uh, in some churches, I don't want to go into details, you know, but when the priests are not getting married, so they cannot be loyal to this, and then they suffer from other problems. Okay? So this is something they started to say that, okay, we want just to be Free for the sake of God. Not to be busy with our family or children or whatever. But as Quran says, Although they themselves created this, but they couldn't keep it. Okay? But this shows that all people have realized in different religions, in different traditions, that If you are very busy with your materialistic life, you will not have any chance to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your relation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You must make your life as simple as possible. So, this is where we have the real sense of zuhud. What does Zuhud mean? Zuhd doesn't mean that you do not have, for example, facilities or means of life because you cannot afford. This is not Zuhd. If you are not able you know, to buy something and then you say, I am Zahid, you are not Zahid. As soon as you get money, you will buy it. Zahid is not the one who doesn't go for luxury life because he cannot afford it. We have a, you know, proverb in Farsi say that means cat cannot reach the meat so that it smells bad. <laughs> but the fact is the cat cannot reach the meat. So this is not zot. Or, if I cannot afford to buy, not because I don't have money, because I don't have the uh, techniques, the uh, skills, this is not soft. Or, for example, if I don't go for materialistic you know, means and you know, luxury life, because... I want people to praise me. I want people to say, Oh, this man is very great man. Look at his car. It's broken. Look at his house. It has a leakage. So, people, you know, praise me. So, I am suffering, you know, in my heart, but the fact that people praise me makes me happy. You know? Sometimes this is the case. But this is not Zohd. Or... Even if I do it because I want to gain better things in Jannah. This is not also a perfect zot. To a certain extent you can say this is zod, but even this is not zod. For example, if I don't do you know unnecessary efforts, if I don't for example, you know, eat haram, because I say Allah will give me Lots of blessings in Akhirah. This is not Zohd. Do you know this is like whom? This is like someone who doesn't eat in his house because he's invited. And he has better food are waiting there. This is not Zohd. If I don't eat and I said there are better foods. This is a sort of, you know, opportunistic approach. Real Zohd is that you do not go after Dunya... Because you don't have interest for that. You are not interested. Because you feel that you are more valuable than being concerned with these things. Because the way that you can define value of each person is to look at the things for which he is struggling. If I am struggling... For money, it means that my value is even less than that money. Because if my value was more, I wouldn't have worked for that. I'm not against working to earn money. But that is not just to earn money. That is for something more valuable. For example, to spend on my family. This is jihad fi sabilillah. Okay? But just earning money as such... Must not be my aim in my life. My life is more valuable than this. Just creating reputation, good reputation, must not be my aim. The value of each person can be understood by looking at his aims and objectives in his life. If you want to know how valuable a person is, see, for example, for what amount of money he may tell lies. Someone for 10 pounds may tell lies. So this is his value. Indeed, his value is (laughs) 9.99. Someone for 100 pounds may tell lies. So his value is less than. Someone... For one thousand pound, may do zolm. For nine hundred ninety nine, he doesn't do zolm. But for one thousand, he does. Zulm. So this is the value of wonders. Once uh, I read in a book that someone told someone that uh, shall you know to a woman, shall we have some relation? And I give you 100 pounds. She said, no, I am not prostitute. She said, I give you 1 million pounds. She said, let me think about it. <laughs> so it means that you are, but just the price is, you know, to be discussed. But if a woman is modest, is has effa, she doesn't think about... Whether it is 100 pounds or 1 million pounds or 1 billion pounds. Disregard this immediately. Okay, is it true or not? So the value of every person can be understood by the aims, considering the aims and objectives. So Zahid is the one... Who finds nothing other than pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, valuable. We have hadith which says, Allah wa inna samana abdanikum al-jannah, The price of your body is heaven. You must not sell it cheaper. And Ayatollah Jabadi Amuli says, this is the price of your body. What about the price of your spirit? Just your body, the price is heaven. The price of the spirit is To know that Allah is pleased with you. You know, the best thing that Mu'minin in heaven here after receiving all gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they receive a message from Allah that Allah says, I am pleased with you. This is the best that you can reach, you know. If Allah is pleased with you, this is the value for which you must work. So this is the meaning of zohd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very beautiful that comparing different levels of people, in Surah Nahl, number ninety-six, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says that. Sorry, in Surah Al-A'la, number seventeen, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "Walakhiratu khairun wa abqa." Inna haddala fi al-suhuf al-ula, suhuf Ibrahim. "Walakhiratu khairun wa abqa." What does it mean? It means that this dunya has some value. No doubt. But Akhirah is better. Khayrun is better. Va'abqa And is endurable. This dunya has very limited value. And it passes very quickly. Very quickly. Akhirah is better. But in Surah Taha number 73, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, khayron wa-abqa." Some people are concerned with Akhirah. So Allah says, well, But then you go higher. Says, Allah is better. So even Akhirah must not be the end. You must, you must not be just aiming at reaching heaven. It's good. Heaven is good. But this must not be the end. This is, as I said, the price of your body. You must aim at reaching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wal tu khayrun wa abqa okay what is the sign of zuhd in suratul hadid number 23 we have a good sign of zuhd and imam ali alayhi salam says in nahjul balagha That az quran He refers to the same ayah that, inshallah, I'm going to recite. And one says the whole concept of zuhd is summarized in two sentences in Qur'an: "Lakaylā Zuhd means that if you lose something, you must not get upset. Some worldly things. Of course, if you lose your faith, that's something different. But if you lose something worldly, you must not get very upset. And if you gain something worldly, you must not be very happy. These are coming and going. You might, must be like a cashier. A cashier in bank, if he receives lots of money, doesn't become happy. Does he? Indeed, he becomes maybe sad because then I have to count them again. <laughs> and if he gives out money, he will not become sad. Indeed, becomes happy because then he says, I'm getting rid of them. We must exactly think that we are like a cashier. Imam Sadiq, alayhi salam told Envane Basri in that very famous, famous hadith that the servant of Allah must know that money belongs to Allah. And he is just looking after that money. Al Just He use it in the way that Allah is pleased with. Like a cashier. Like an agent. If you have an agent, you give him instruction, do this, do that. He cannot come and say, no, I don't like this. I use it in the way that I am happy with. No. You will fire him. But Allah does not fire us. He is very merciful. But this is not a wise way. We must feel shy. That Allah says, do this, do that. And we say, no. I know better. I want to do that. Something else. So, Zuhd is not to be very sad when you lose something. And not to be very happy when you gain something. This is the meaning and concept of Zuhd. But Inshallah, tomorrow, I will uh, explain that we have Zuhd when it comes to Haram, we have Zuhd when it comes to Makruh, and when it comes to Mubah. And what is the difference between each of these three? What does Zuhd require when you are faced with something Prohibited. What, is, what does Zod require when you are faced with something disliked? And what does Zod require when you are faced with something neutral? We will, inshallah, talk about this tomorrow. But, something important that I must mention here, because maybe for some reason some people may not be able to follow me tomorrow to get a good idea. We are not against possessing Money. We are against being possessed by money. This is very important. You are so valuable that you must not be possessed by, not, by anything. But you can possess as much as you can, provided you observe Allah's laws. So, it's not important whether I have money or not. By looking at my account in the bank, you cannot say I am Zahid or not. I may be poor and not Zahid. I may be rich and Zahid. What is important is whether my heart is attached to this worldly thing or not. One of the Sufis, very famous Sufis, once met A young man from the city of Balkh. And he says, I was never so much humbled. Like the conversation that we had with this young man. That young man asked me, because he was a master, Sufi master. What is the definition of Zohd in your city? So, this Sufi master said... Zuhd for us means that whenever we have we are thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whenever we don't have we are patient we don't complain we don't commit haram so if we have we are thankful and if we don't have we tolerate we accept this is very important many of us if we don't have we shout and if we have... Again we shout. When we don't have, we shout and complain Allah. When we have, we shout and say, I am Allah. We want to shout. Allah subhanahu wa Taala talks about that dog in Qur'an. That if a dog is naughty... If you attack, he barks. If you leave him, he still barks. So some of the people you know, are always in a shot. So he said, this is the diminution of Zohd for us. If we have, we are thankful. If we don't have, we are patient. Then that young man who was from Bach said, this is what dogs do in our city. Whenever we give them food, they are thankful. If we don't, give they don't attack us. They don't complain. They are patient. If you have no food to give you to your dog, it doesn't come and, you know, attack you. So he said, this is what dogs do. So this Sufi master said, so what is the definition of Zohd in your city? He said, whenever we don't have, we are thankful. And whenever we have, we give it to the people. This is Zohd. So he says, I was very humbled that such a young man is teaching me the meaning of Zohd. So, it's very important that we try to release our heart from being possessed by any worldly thing. Anything which is not valuable. Anything less than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must not satisfy us. And we have this in the life of great ulama, who despite their maybe power, despite the fact that they may have lots of money in their hands, but they are real Zahid. Once a Darwish, you know Darwish? It's like Sufi met one of great ulama's in the time of Safavid. In the time of Safavid, uh, ulama had very good position. And in some period, even ulama were giving legitimacy to the king. For example, in the time of Shah Tahmasp, Karaki, he was the one who was appointing king as king. And this is a very important example for the idea of Velayat Faqih. There are clear letters. He says that I am appointing you as king. Or king writes to his governors that whoever is appointed by al Karaki, he has the authority and if he dismisses someone, he has no authority. So there was very good relation between Shia ulama and the kings. So some of these ulama had very high position. For example, like Sheikh Bahai. Sheikh Bahai was like a chief alim of the state so one of these ulama I don't know if he was Sheikh Baha'i or someone else was once uh, questioned by a Sufi, a dervish and said why you live in such a big house you have servants and you know you have very apparently luxurious life I am just myself and my kashkul. You know, kashkul, something that these they wish carry. It's like a bowl, but uh, it's a different uh, shape. They call it kashkul. They put different things in the kashkul. So some books which have miscellaneous ideas, they are called kashkul. We have, for example, kashkul Sheikh Bahai in three volumes. There are poems, there are, for example, stories, hadith, different points. Anyway, this man questioned that great Alem, that you are not Zahid. You are very, you know, much indulging yourself. So he said, okay, let's forget all this. Have some, you know, outing. So they went together outside city. And after they went for some distance, they said, okay, let's have some rest and drink, you know, some water and refresh ourselves. When they wanted to drink water, this Sufi realized that he had left his cashkul in the city, in the house of this Allah. So he was very embarrassed. He couldn't, you know, do anything because that cash cool was everything for him. You know, some people, they are so much attached to something that if you take away from them, they cannot, you know, work. You know, sometimes, for example, we are so much attached to our ring. If you miss it, you lose it. That day is not normal day. This happens, you know. So he was very upset. Sheikh I said, why are you are worried? He said, I have left my cash cool there and I am very, you know, worried. Then he said, you have left just one cash cool there and you are worried. I have left everything behind me. All responsibilities, servants, house, all administration. And I am relaxed. You just suggested, I said, okay, we go together. This is the concept of Zohd. I am anytime ready to die. But you need your kashkul. Cool. Even if <laughs> the angel of death comes, you say, I must have my kashkul cool engraved with me. So, zuhd is to be free in our heart. This is the meaning of zuhd Inshallah, we will continue this tomorrow.